Testing, testing. One, two. And you know what to do. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a movie that neither of us are qualified to speak on. Well, you're a bit of a musician yourself, right? That's not what I mean. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) I mean, neither of us black <laughs> our blood our black we've done a podcast like this before that's true but you know from the outset we should at least say that we're not black we are not black and there's no realm of existence where gabe or i could fully understand or feel uh empathy in the way that some of this audience might feel yeah you can only put yourself so far into another person's shoes i just want the audience to know that there's no way that we gabriel i could empathize with some of the themes that were brought up we can try to understand them but there's clearly such deep-rooted pain and emotion here that we can never understand what that's like you know because a lot of the themes in this film are still prominent today and relevant today and i think that's one of the biggest points of the film. So today we're doing a movie called Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Just put on Netflix a couple days ago. It takes place in 1927 in Chicago after the Great Migration, which was a lot of black folk that lived in the South were promised jobs and new opportunities in the North side of the country. And so there was A lot of people of color that migrated north, so to speak, and it was called the Great Migration. And some of that centered around music. Music was sort of this outpouring of a way to deal with their emotions of what they were coming up against at the time. And that's sort of how the blues came into being sort of after ragtime and vaudeville type music. The blues came into being and then that kind of spurred on jazz, even though jazz can be considered blues, I suppose. But That's how Viola Davis's character talked about the blues in the film, is that this is more than music, this is life. Yeah. This is our history. And it's, you know, at the time it was sort of her point, I think, I don't remember if it was in the film or in the behind the scenes, but she said something like, they weren't going to be remembered. So this was their way of being remembered in history was by creating these songs and writing these songs that would go on to kind of transcend their time, which was fascinating. But music was, you know, their outlet. It was their emotion that they put into song that was their way of kind of communicating the pain and but also their joy. And their joy. Yeah, I think she said there would be no life without the blues, the music yeah. for her and for yeah. them. This movie takes place after the Great Migration in Chicago in 1927. And it's based on a play. So it mainly takes place in one location. Much like the movie Fences from a few years back. It's also produced by Denzel Washington, just as Fences was. And it's based on a play. And a lot of this movie is dialogue driven. And the themes are very prominent, having to do with social injustice and the characters having a lot of things to deal with because of the things that occurred in American history and black history. So this particular movie takes place in one location, like I said, and it's in a recording studio. And the premise is Ma Rainey, who was a blues singer in the 20s. She's an actual person. The mother of blues. Considered the mother of blues. She came to record this album with her band. And so this play, this movie takes place in this recording studio and follows Ma Rainey and her band. Ma Rainey is played by Viola Davis. 
and the lead band member, the most prominent one, is played by Chadwick, the late Chadwick Boseman. Was this his last performance, technically? Not including the voice work he's done for the Disney series. Yes, that was his last performance. The Five Bloods also came out this year, but credited on IMDb, that was his last performance. And then the other actors in this film... Coleman Domingo. Coleman Domingo as Coleman. That guy's awesome. Yeah. Glenn Turman as Toledo and Michael Potts as Slow Drag. That was Cutler, Toledo, and Slow Drag. And then Desan Brown played uh, Ma Rainey's nephew named Sylvester. Bit of a stutter, that one. Nice kid, though. Bit of a stutter, that one. Bit of a stutter. And then it was beautifully directed by... George Foreman? George C. Wolf. George Wolf. <laughs> George, George Foreman. Foreman and his grill. It was a super interesting direction, I think, the look and feel of this movie. Everything looked wet and yellow. You mean like glistening because of... Yeah, they were all sweating all the time. Yeah, it was summertime and Ma Rainey kept remarking how hot it was. But everything looked wet. Like all the actors looked wet. They were all glistening with like water or sweat or something. It was very interesting. I think it was kind of a look to the film. Yeah. But historically, Ma Rainey, whenever she would sing in these locations that were really hot, she would sweat and the makeup would run down her face and it would look like this paint or something. She had a presence, man. And she did have a the, presence. that temperature just made it all the crazier. Yeah. And I loved her obsession with Coke, Coca Cola. Yeah. She's like, crazy. I, I need three. <laughs> she did drink at least two or three. Look good. But yeah, you're right. They did. It was interesting when you see these films that are adapted from stage plays and they're only in a couple locations. How do you keep making that visually interesting? And George Wolf and his DP Tobias Schleicher, Schleisler, Schleisler. Not sure, but they did a great job keeping it interesting. Everything was energetic, exciting, both in the band room and in the recording studio. When the action was up tempo, or whether it was a slow dialogue scene, slow monologue scene, it was always engaging. Yeah, I agree. Of which there were many. Yeah, there was, um, like I said, it's dialogue driven. So I watched it with uh, the subtitles on and that helped a lot or just so that I could kind of follow what was going on because a lot of the dialogue was so quick that if you weren't paying attention, uh, you'd miss it. So there's a lot of old slang too, being from the twenties. Yeah. hundred years ago, (laughs) people talked a little different. Yep. Chadwick Boseman, I don't even think we said played a character named Levy. Levy Green. Yeah. Fictional character. That wasn't real. Yeah. In fact, I think the whole cast outside of Ma Rainey was fictional. At least the band members were. But he was based off of real people that had their music stolen, you know? Yeah, and that was that was another big thing. Is It's called Race Records. Oh, where, yeah. Where these black artists would have their music stolen or, you know, they'd pay them for almost next to nothing. And then those songs would be taken and adapted by white artists. And that's a very prominent and heavy overlaying theme in this movie that it was interesting, actually. I was listening to the director talk about racism in the country, and he said there's that one scene in the movie where Chadwick beats down a door only to go to an alleyway that goes to nowhere. And he's like, that's a metaphor for racism. He's like, oftentimes in our country, black people are promised something. And then as soon as they get through that door, they realize there's another wall behind that door. And that was kind of the theme of the whole movie is they were racing against, 
you know, the promise of the Great Migration, that there was opportunity in the North. They were racing against having their songs not be relatable or outdated while their people were moving on to the next craze, which was like sort of a jazzy craze that Levy, Chadwick Boseman's character, was really interested in. And he was writing songs in that way. And then the white producer comes along and basically in the end kind of pays him off for next to nothing. And then the movie ends with... Just a room full a of... A room full of terrible... Pasty white pasty boys. Pasty white boys, yeah. Trying to make the jazz music. Yeah. And if there's like no heart or soul in it, it just sounds kind of... It's hilarious. Blase. Yeah. It's not hilarious. It's tragic because that stuff actually happened. Yeah. Elvis, I mean, it's... Elvis Presley has come under a crap ton of scrutiny lately because he literally did that. Like yeah? He, yeah. He took music from black people and then adapted their songs and made them popular, made them famous and... Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog that was written by a black person. Hmm. Hound Dog was written by Big Mama Thornton and the Harlem Stars. <laughs> Let me be clear. I don't think it's hilarious. It is tragic. When I say hilarious, I the mean... The imagery is really funny. It's because you have... There's like 30 white guys in this room absolutely butchering this otherwise really catchy, really interesting piece of music. You know, that's kind of one of the themes. And so all these characters have had tragic history that usually brought upon by a white person and has played into the person that they've become. And so in the case of Chadwick Boseman's character, he's a little bit younger, hasn't had as much life experience. And so the decisions and the attitude that he portrays in this film are because of this emotional weight, these tragedies that have happened in his past because of white people. And that played into the man that he became, the man that he is in this movie. And then Ma Rainey, kind of on the flip side of that, even though she's strong and intimidating, she's a little bit more realistic and collected and mature about the decisions that she makes, especially in regarding to dealing with white people. And so those two contrasts are sort of at war in this movie is the young sort of immature understanding of how to deal with white people at this time. And then Ma Rainey, who deals with them in a different way because of the life experience that she's had. And I think Viola Davis was saying that if Chadwick Boseman's character, Levy, was able to deal with the tragedy of his past, that he could have, you know, moved on. And so that's a big thing is, you know, he's sort of stuck in this way of thinking, thinking that this is a way to deal with life and to move forward. And he's got these delusions of grandeur in that he's going to start his own band. And he keeps talking about that. And he buys these fancy shoes and he's walking the walk and talking the talk. But a lot of the older black people in this film are looking at him and going, you know, you're young. You don't really understand what you're saying. You need to, to be humbled a little bit. You need to understand the way things work. And, and Ma Rainey and the other band members kind of represent that. Anyway, what'd you think of it just as a, as a work, as a film, as a piece of art? It was awesome. I mean, we already talked about how captivating it was, even just between the two leads, Viola Davis. I mean, the movie's named after a character, Ma Rainey. But I think this was honestly really Chadwick's film. I think think he had the most screen time, but even regardless of the amount of time he had, which coincidentally, you know, in real life, wasn't very long at all. Yeah. I mean, he was probably very sick when they were shooting this and in pain. I think Viola Davis even said while they were shooting, he was in a lot of pain but as soon as the camera switched on he was his character and magnetic and but again this was his his show i think uh yeah and the crux of the film i think for me was really his monologue about the tragedy of his past Mm -hmm. and that kind of set everything in motion gave you the impression of 
what this story really was, mm-hmm. what his character was about, which makes the ending of the film all the more tragic because yeah, his kind idea of a, kind of a shock ending. Yeah. Did you see that coming? No. No. I was actually really surprised by that ending. In the minutes leading up to the, you know, the climactic end of the film, I kind of saw where it was headed and it was I was on the edge of my seat just praying to God, hoping that or he's everything talking about his shoes. Yeah. Yeah. I was hoping everything would turn out all right for these characters that you've become so invested in. Yeah. But there was such a tension throughout the film. Mm-hmm. A lot of that was brought into play by Viola's character, Ma Rainey. But just side note, it's also interesting that the film is only about 90 minutes long. So yeah, it's quick. you become very invested in these characters in that short time. Yeah, but due to these sort of single or double location films, uh, the amount of talking, it, it feels like so much has happened in 30 minutes. Well, I, I looked at the clock just because I was curious when Levy Green was giving his little monologue and I was shocked at how much of the film there was left to go. But yeah, I had this feeling of impending doom, this kind of dreading anticipation over the course of the film, because the whole recording studio felt like a powder keg ready to blow with all these characters playing off each other. And it was just fascinating to watch it, you know, unfold. All the actors were incredible. The performances all around were great, not just the two leads. Yeah. I'm a big Coleman Domingo fan now. Yeah. He as Cutler was sort of that, that voice of reason along with the two older guys and another one of my favorite moments was when they're arguing about God. Oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah, that was after Chadwick Boseman's monologue, because they go back and forth from the recording studio and the band room and a few times over the course of the film, and you could see these characters' relationships develop. Yeah. And then undevelop. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. I felt the same way. It held my attention the whole time. Interesting to note that uh, I didn't realize this beforehand. This is... Denzel said in 2015 that he was going to adapt to screen August Wilson's 10 Century Plays, or I can't remember what they're called. It's sort of a sequence of stage productions that he had written. Uh-huh. Fences was the first of which. Oh, okay. And this, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, is the second. So mm. Denzel and his team still have eight more films oh, wow. they're going to develop out of these screen I didn't these know that. Plays. It felt a lot like Fences to me. Yeah. Like it, it felt, had the same exact feeling. I love Fences personally. It's very similar in theme to where these characters are um, oppressed and they're black and they are who they are because of being mistreated by usually white people in their past. And so, but in Fences, it really plays on the father-son relationship and the son not understanding why his father is the way that he is, but the father is extremely stubborn and dogmatic and angry. And it's about literally putting up fences in Mm -hmm. your life that um, you can't really get over and why people put those fences up, the metaphorical fences. Beautiful film for that reason. And this is very similar in feeling and tone to Fences. It just, right from the moment the movie opened, which I thought was one of my favorite set pieces, the people running in the forest toward this tent, like an old kind of timey tent. It was super cool. Uh, Really good production design, really good wardrobe, really good makeup. It was just really, really well done. Even in, yeah, they only had a couple establishing shots outside the studio to show you Chicago of the 1920s, but the... A little bit of CGI that was in there was really well done. Yep. And that's kind of one of the reasons, I mean, on top of, you know, it being a good movie that we wanted to review this because we think it has potential to be um, an Oscar nom. Yeah, at least for performances. 
performances. I could see it being nominated for Best Picture, just like Fences was. And I could also see, I mean, if we're like doing Oscar projections right now, I don't even know what the 2021 Oscars are going to look like with 2020 being such a weird year. It's all Netflix, baby. (laughs) Yeah. But if I had to project, I, I could see this winning for makeup or wardrobe and then Chadwick being nominated for Best Supporting. Yeah. Maybe even winning, just like Heath did post Would he be supporting and not a lead? Heath Ledger. Yeah, I mean, because they're all sort of supporting each other. I don't know what the qualification is for those two, but it is interesting, you know, you mentioned the... I mean, like Brad Pitt was supporting. For Once Upon a Time? Yeah. And, yeah, and but, he but that was like a lead. That was def... I guess it was kind of split. I would say Leo's the main character in that film, but... But I say supporting because the movie's entitled Ma Rainey's Black Bottom yeah. and Viola Davis is in it, so... That's true. I would think that Chadwick's character, even though, like you're <laughs> saying, it's his movie, I think I think he probably would be nominated for supporting. It's and... tough to go up against Viola Davis, who's one of the most incredible performers of our time. She's incredible. She was my favorite part of Fences, in fact. Oh, I've seen the scene where she's just so explosively emotional that she's like spitting everywhere. Yeah, it's incredible. That was one of the best performances I think I've I've seen in the last 10, 15 years. Yeah. And uh, she's just as amazing here. It's just a different role. But wasn't she the gal from Suicide Squad? Yeah. That's a film. Very strange. <laughs> but yeah, so that's my Rainey's Black Bottom. By the way, the Black Bottom is a one of her songs. So that's yeah. what it's referring to. And Jelly Roll, I think, was also an actual song. Actually just talking about her ass. Oh. She was a brick house, though. <laughs> I mean, like brick house. Can you say that? I feel like she... I was worried for everyone around her because she has that physicality. I'm curious. Oh my gosh, Gabe. I mean, I think it's okay to say that. <laughs> I was so scared whenever she was on the screen because I, I was worried for... She had a bodysuit on, I guess. Did she? Yeah. That I was, was... going to say, I was curious if she gained no, weight. They, they made a suit for her to wear, okay. Viola Davis to wear, to make her... I think they said between a size 16 and 18, which is what she was. Hmm. Instead of what Viola Davis actually is, which I have no idea. Yeah, she was wearing uh, some pounds. She wore it well. <laughs> she can move. Yeah, she could sweat. She could sweat. She can move. She did. She could. She will. She had gold teeth. <laughs> yeah, the, the, <laughs> the, what do you call that? The grill? Yeah, the grill was, was <laughs> wild. This is one of those rare films that, you know, has these amazing performances. And in particular with Chadwick Boseman, it really just makes you it makes you think about all the performances we will never get because of his death, his premature death this year. And, you know, it's just such a bummer because he was such a good actor and he had such a career ahead of him. I mean, he had such a career behind him too, but his performance was just so powerful and so amazing to watch. If anything, I think it would be worth it just to watch this movie for his performance because it's so good. And the added weight to all the parts in the movie when he's talking about his future and how yeah, there's a lot bright it'll be. Yeah, yeah, a lot of analogy and metaphor and bitter irony there. Yeah, I wonder if that was really difficult for him to do, knowing that he was, you know, probably going to die within a year or two of this performance. Yeah, I mean, apparently, I heard. I think we might have talked about this on our Chadwick Boseman podcast from a while. I think it was episode twenty-eight or twenty-nine of our podcast. But uh, he said something like, "Up until the last two months or two weeks." Until he died, he was still hopeful that he was going to recover. So I don't know how much he actually really felt that he was going to pass. But I mean, I, I mean, he he knew that he had cancer for a while. Mm-hmm. But yeah, was, well, at al- least... was always hopeful. He was always yeah. hopeful, still smiling. Damn, son, that's tough. 
Especially considering all his connections with Denzel Washington. Sometimes those things just cycle. But yeah, that was interesting too that Denzel cast him in this and you know, he also paid for his tuition to go yeah. to acting college acting school. So kind of crazy, like you just said, full circle. That yeah, it was like his surrogate son. Yeah. I think he wants to cast his actual son in the next one. Uh, John David Denzel's gonna have him in I think it's the piano lesson is the next one they're adapting of the August Wilson plays. It'll be good. These are important movies. Yeah. I'm excited to see more of them. I've enjoyed Fences. I've enjoyed this. I'm excited to see more. And uh, with that being said, we'll play, maybe maybe we'll play Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Well, that's been another issue of Gabe and Steven. Yeah. Grandma, I heard- 